Football is about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Blue 58! Check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays. Here's where it all starts right here. Let's play! G-Money Christmas! What the hell's going on out here? This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi. After three in a row at home, the Colts are back on the road in week 11 as they get ready to take on the Buffalo Bills. It's a rematch of last year's AFC wildcard game. The Colts are feeling some momentum heading into the game. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside Football with Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor. Rick's on the line with us, as he usually is, with his 27 years of coaching background in the NFL. Rick, here we go, man. Seven games left. The Colts have climbed even at 500. They've won four of their last five. And like we've talked about, now they own their own destiny in their hands. If they want to make a push for the playoffs, they're going to have to beat some tough competition. And it starts on Sunday against the 6-3 and three Bills, who are currently the number two seed in the AFC playoff field if the postseason were to start today. No, there's no question about it. I mean, basically, they did what they had to do. You know, after a tough start in that five play in that five uh, five game gauntlet, you know, starting out one and four, but they came back in that climb to five. You know, they got four to five, and so you know they have it even uh, five and five right now after ten weeks. I mean that that in some ways I I think you know the way other teams are playing and coming back to you. I'm not sure we're not in the driver's seat to tell you the truth, but. Definitely, we're totally in control of our destiny uh, for the wild card berth. Anyway, I don't right. think there's any question we're totally in charge of that. Uh, you know, I call it the seven or bus coming up because in this seven games, uh, I believe that we have to win five of them, uh, and more importantly, or as importantly, um, you know, we have we we get a chance now, an opportunity to change this narrative because within that seven. We have five legitimate contenders who are all in contention, who have all been to playoffs, and you know are 0 and 8. That 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 record is what it is against those teams, and the perception is we can't do it. Mm-hmm. And then the great news is that we now have a chance to do it. We can totally change this thing, and if we want to get there, Matt, we have to. And, and it really starts this week in Buffalo. Um, you know, certainly a team, as you say, high riding. Uh, two seed, uh, you know. If you look at the stats, they're they're really off the charts. But I, I thought I think they're beatable. I thought they were beatable in January. I thought we were in an eyelash and and could have done it. We self destructed ourselves, but we outplayed them certainly for the first 28 minutes of the first half. Yep. And so I have a really good feeling about it. And uh, you know, I'm sure the Colts do nothing. You know, nothing breeds confidence like winning. There's no other way to do it. I mean, you can't you can't manufacture confidence. It only comes with winning. And I think this is a perfect scenario for the coaching staff. Uh, you know, one, we got back to, you know, got above water. And then number two, one of the great things you like is to win a game but have a subpar performance. And, right. I, you know, I think that was – I think I can define Sunday that way. Mm-hmm. And what that allows you to do as a coaching staff – is to really get after people, get after their butts, you know, make sure everything is corrected. And plus, you know, we exposed ourselves to some things uh, offensively that we really have to fix because, as you know, it's a copycat league. And, you know, for instance, those nickel blitzes, uh, that one cross blitz that hit us, 
the double sink kind of hurt us. You know, I mean, I mean, teams coming up, they're going to copy that. So, you know, it gives us an opportunity to really work on that stuff and fix it. And, and yet you, do, you never affect your team after a win. You never have to worry about them emotionally. So, yeah, perfect scenario going to Buffalo. You know, they'll be the favorite. I mean, you couldn't ask for more. No, I mean, I've been saying all week, and I'm not trying to open up old scabs, but you're exactly right. I mean, the Colts should have won that game. The fact that they didn't well, win that game last year in the playoffs, it was just such a heartbreaking way to finish the season, to finish the game. I mean, the Colts had 450 yards of offense, no turnovers, Rick. They became the first team ever in the history of the NFL playoffs to lose a game while doing those things. So it, it, it does speak to the fact that this team is close and that Buffalo is incredibly beatable. Yeah, I actually believe that totally. I think you and I were speechless after that loss. It took me a long time. I, I'm, I'm going to talk about a month. It took me a month to get over that because I was very, very confident like I am now that we could win the game. And really, when you peel the onion on that game, it was that two minutes and, I don't know, two minutes and 30 seconds. Mm, right before the know, half. Before the end of the half that ended up turning around. I mean, we had him in our pocket. When you looked at Josh Allen up to that point, he had that deer-in-the-headlight look. He wasn't confident at all against our defense. And then, you know, we get down there, we're first in goal on the one, you know, and it, we end up getting stopped. We lose four on first down. Then we make – I would have never gone for it fourth and four, but we did. We missed it. And then they went on a 96-yard drive – of which Allen made some terrific plays, which he can do, getting out, and particularly outside the pocket. And, you know, so at the end of that first half, we could have very easily been ahead 17-7. I would say we should have been ahead 17-7, mm-hmm. you know, and we come, you know, we end up walking in. They're leading 14-10, to 10, and I, I remember telling you right then, look at them, they're high-fiving. All of a sudden, Allen has a totally different view of this game and, you know, to me, that was just so – it just was so gunt-wrenching, and we really never could overcome it. So, I mean, you know, when you go into this one, you got to say, we got to play like we did that last 10 minutes, that first 28 minutes, right. but we just cannot let them breathe. We cannot let them breathe. we got to stay right after them. All right, let's recap the Jaguar game real quick, right? I mean, it wasn't pretty, Rick. We all know that, but the Colts got the job done. You apologize for nothing in the NFL when you win, right. no matter who right. the opponent is. Um, let's talk about the offense first. The first quarter was great. Everything after that was a slugfest like you brought up. What did you make of the Colts on offense last Sunday against Jacksonville? Well, it was really kind of surprising to me. You're right. I mean, after that first uh, 10 minutes plus, I mean, I looked at you. I thought we were going to get 60, maybe 75, really. I thought we'd beat them <laughs> 75 to nothing, to be honest with you. And then it was just, and you pointed it out at that minute, when Agnew took that ball after it's seventeen nothing, and he went on that long run, that sixty-six, sixty-seven yard touchdown, and then that ensuing drive that we ended up backed up, ended up getting a sack, an offsides penalty, and you know from that time on, it, it was really Jacksonville's game. I mean, we we had to hold on in the fourth quarter, and it's really amazing how a game can turn on something like that on one play, and you you have to keep that in mind in the NFL. Because the momentum turned, and what you kind of saw was Jacksonville's defense particularly, you saw them build momentum and confidence every single series, and our offense uncharacteristically just really got flat. I mean, we, you know, we, couldn't, we couldn't run it. Uh, you know, we had free blitzers on the pass. 
you know, and for a team that has just been playing lights out, I mean, we got, we kind of got taught a lesson, you know, and then, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, and then we, the other thing that scared me is they drove down for eight in the fourth quarter and they were driving again at the end of the game. You know, it's like, my God, what's wrong with our fourth quarter defense? Although we had played pretty well all day, but you know, it really came down to two plays and our money guys made plays. I mean, the Carson Wentz scramble and throw to Pittman is nothing but money on both ends. I mean, they bring Ford off of our left side. He comes clean as a whistle, the, mm-hmm. nick, the nickel. Carson just jets out to the right and throws that dime on a dead run. Not many guys can make that accurate throw going that hard. And then Pitt did a great job of keeping his feet in. And, of course, that allowed us to get the field goal. And I told you right then, man, that six points rather than three is money. And then, you know, they're moving the ball on us, and, we're you know, they're kind of moving it methodically with check downs. And I think they're down to about our 45, and we get a great hustle play from Buck on the scramble. And then, you know, Dale comes in there and strips it out, and we win the game. So four money guys really contributed. And, you know, you got to have that. you got to have that. you got to win it in that sense. Uh, but it was, it was a little too close for comfort, really. No doubt about it. Yeah, Colts got it done. They're five and five. So we turn the page now. We get ready for the Buffalo Bills. So Buffalo comes into the game on the big picture. They're six and three, solidly in the playoff race at this point. They lead the AFC, uh, AFC East, that is, after winning that division last year for the first time since 1994. They started the season hot, but they're two and two in the last month, including a nine to six loss to the Jaguars. Statistically, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. They're led by Josh Allen on offense. They have the second-best scoring offense in the NFL at over 31 points per game. On defense, they have the best numbers in the league in total yards and points allowed. They're a very well-coached team, and it's a team that will have home field advantage in this game. Rick, what else do you like about the Bills in the big picture? Well, you know, I think you, you did a really good job of kind of outlining it for me. I think, you know, they are very well-coached. McDermott has done a real good job. He's got two really experienced coordinators in Dable on offense who's been around uh, and, uh, and, and Frazier, Leslie Frazier on defense, who mm-hmm. we all know. So, you know, they're very well coached. I think they do a particularly good job of playing to their personnel. I think they get their personnel in the best position to win. You're exactly right. Statistically, they're off the charts. Uh, you know, two in scoring, number five total, and then when you look at the defense, and I just I can't make myself believe they're this good, but you know at the end of the day, uh, you know in points points given up, they're number one, and they're number one in run and number one in pass. So it's hard to argue the effectiveness of their defense. I mean, there there's two tremendous players on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Allen, I call him a rifle on wheels because he's got a Winchester arm. And yet he can run like hell, and he can—he has the presence of mind to run, and he wants to gash you deep, a little bit like Russell Wilson does. If he—if he can get on your edge, he's looking to throw that ball 50 yards downfield. And they have a tremendous receiver. I would have him in a conversation for the best receiver in the league in Diggs. I, I don't think there's any question about it. I have great respect for him. We saw it in the playoffs when they needed the play. Uh, you know, he got us. Um, they've got other good guys. We'll talk about that as we go. Beasley has become a Wes Welker, Edelman, great third down, short guy, 
Sanders is reliable. You know, they're, they're running backs. They got three running backs. They use them all, um, you know, and they, they use them all interchangeably. Singletary's kind of their bounce, kind of their jitterbug guy. When Moss is in the game, he's going to run north and south in between the tackles. And then they got Breida playing last week after an injury. He's kind of their pass guy, get him out loose and, and go. So, you know, there's a lot of skill there. Uh, it's a solid offensive line. I think they have weaknesses. I think their tackles are slow-footed. I think their left guard, Botner, is uh, is, a, is an issue. But the problem is, for the most part, like the you know the great scrambling quarterbacks, Allen erases a lot of that. I mean, Allen is a, really a tremendous player. And the thing that he's done that really has sold me is I really questioned Matt when he came out this accuracy. Honestly, it was about a 52% coming out of college and normally that doesn't change a lot you know accuracy pretty much is what you are you you can kind of see it with Lawrence last week I mean he's all over the place and that's what he was in college he just played on a great team but this kid has really he's gone from a 52 to up around 68 percent I mean I I'm not sure I've ever seen that before that increase along with his athleticism makes it makes it very very difficult but I think, you know, when you look at them, uh, here's, what I, here's what I think you really have to do in this game. And the first two must are going to both be related to Allen because I think at the end of the day, I'm going to give you all these must, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, you've got to control Allen and Diggs. I mean, if you control those two guys in the game and they don't have big games, then you've got a really good chance to beat them. Not that they don't have other guys, but those two guys are the money guys. And I think, number one, Dable does a really good job, the offensive coordinator. He has really done a good job of mixing the NCAA RPO game, naked boots. You saw him bust a third and one last week. You know, he got everybody sucked in, and boom, he's out the gate. And and a lot of those designer runs come when, you know, different in critical situations, third and short, um, red zone, uh, two minutes, and if the game's on the line, all of a sudden you'll start seeing these designers that you don't see during the week. So you've got to be really, really, really uh, sharp, and particularly on the edge. If it's third and one, you've got to let those inside guys play the inside. You've got to be ready because he's coming. And then, you know, the other thing that he's done, though, is he's incorporated as he's gotten older and more experienced the spread game, the quick rhythm, um, uh, what I call horizontal, cross the field, get it out quick. And then kind of the, the big thing that he does a really good job on first down is that play action, and that's when he tries to get you deep with Diggs or uh, Emmanuel Sanders. So, you know, that's kind of their offense. And I think, I say, number one, you've got to have a real good plan for those RPOs and those quarterback designers. You can't, you can't let him get going on that stuff. And you really have to have that ready, as I said, in those very critical situations particularly in the fourth quarter, like in a two-minute drive, that's when they call plays for him. Number two, and maybe more importantly during the game, is you have to have a really good rush plan for him, okay? You know, we let – I was disappointed in this. We let Lawrence, whose only asset right now is athleticism. He can't throw as good as me at this point. He can't throw as accurate as me. But he, was, he, he made 33 critical yards that kind of kept things going. If we do that against Allen, we will get killed because it won't be 33 yards. It might be 100 yards. But more importantly, he's going to step up and out, 
and he's going to get somebody downfield. So the rush plan is probably the most important thing we have. And we cannot let him get on the edge. His big plays, Matt, his wow plays come when the scramble goes outside. When he gets outside, you saw it in our playoff game, gets outside, edge, edge, and then, man, he can throw that thing on the run as good as anybody I've ever seen. So, you know, basically, you know, you have to have a good rush plan. I'm not opposed to setting the edge and blitzing him inside, but set the edge first and then pack it, you know, bring extra guys inside where if he tries to run inside, boom, you can hit him. But set the edge on this guy. This is one of the weakest part of our teams this year, this year and it was bad Sunday. It, you, you saw it on the long run to Agnew. We have not played well on the edge, be it run or be it bootleg pass. So this, again, this is vital, and then I, plaster is vital versus him. By plaster, I mean if you've got a receiver downfield, you cover him to the end of time. If he runs to Southport, you run to Southport with him. If he <laughs> runs to Noblesville, you run to Noblesville with him because he's going to extend and you don't want to give a big play on extension. Number three, I think, and this is all related, it's actually three, but it's two guys, is you got to have a plan for Diggs. Diggs exploded Sunday. You know, he's been a little quiet lately. Uh, they've been getting a lot of balls to Beasley, and then Beasley was a little banged up with mm-hmm. the ribs this Sunday. But Diggs came in there and just exploded. And he is a stone ambient player. There's no question about it. You have got to have a plan for Diggs. And, you know, he's got 56 catches, 750 yards, four TDs. But the, the most important thing with Diggs is don't let him get the big one. Make him keep working for it. And I, I told you the other day, I'm not asking, I'm not asking for a, a, deep, a plan for Diggs. I'm begging for it because he is a tremendous player. You, it, it would be sinful if he came into the game and had a big day because you know it going in. Number four, and this is kind of situationally, and when you play a really good team, you have to think situationally because you can't take everybody away every down. So you want to think situationally. That's why it's so important to know which running back is in the game. Right. Because by, you know, they, they call plays by which running backs in the game. Maybe the secondary doesn't have to know it, but the front seven should know it. Mm-hmm. Okay. You got to know what, where, what's digs, where does he kill you? And then where does Beasley see Beasley is a, he'll sneak up on you. He's got 51 catches. He's kind of an Edelman Welker guy. He really is their master of that third and two, third and five, that short window running those options, those pivots, those jerk routes. And so what I'm saying is basically if like, if I were playing third down, I would be pressing digs with the free safety on top of him. And I'd have one of my linebackers doubling with the nickel on the on on Beasley coming inside. That's mm-hmm. the kind of situational stuff I'm talking about. And that's on third down. That's not on first down. That's on third down. So I mean I think those are important. And then number five, and this is this is kind of touchy. Uh they do have issues. Uh Botner, their left guard, there's no way that he can block Buckner all day, nor is Morse. We've got a real match up there. And I think that their tackles are pretty good. You know I mean, you know, on Dawkins and, you know, he's pretty good on the left side. Uh, but I think they're slow-footed at times. But the problem is you've got to rush him, but you've got to rush him with discipline. And just a, just a moment mentioned, their right tackle is Spencer Brown. If you remember, we talked about Spencer 
he's a kid from northern Iowa that was their third-round pick that is now their starting right tackle. He was a Morris Reservoir All-Star. He was a guy that I thought I didn't, I didn't think he was a two because I thought it would take him time. Well, it hasn't taken him any time, to be honest with you. So he's that starting right tackle out there from, from northern Iowa. Those are the key things. Mm-hmm. You know, and as I said, at, at the end of the day, really, um, it's, it's, it's do a really good job you know, really good job on Allen and, and, and Diggs. I, if you can do that, if you can accomplish that, then you're going to be really in a competitive situation. And while we're on defense, I will just say this, McKenzie is a real threat on returns mm-hmm. for our special teams. Yeah. Our special teams Very are just good. lights out. I see that EJ was the player of the week. That's our third player of the week this season on, on special teams. That's just amazing. You know, and you, you could have given it to Franklin too, but – you know, this is this is a real threat. McKenzie's a real threat, and he's also a good backup for Beasley if Beasley's ribs continue to bother him. But along with those defensive things, don't let them get a special team's edge with their return. Right. Yeah, McKenzie leads the NFL in kickoff return average at 27.3. He's got a 75-yard return, not for a touchdown, but that was against Pittsburgh. That's the fourth longest return on a kickoff this season, and he's pretty good at punt returns, eighth-best punt return average in the NFL at 8.7. So he is dangerous on both offense and special teams. All right, the Bills on defense are just as impressive as their offense, maybe more so. Again, Rick Venturi, I'm Matt Taylor. This is Inside Football. Buffalo's defense is number one in the NFL in yards per game at 274 and points per game allowed at 15, and it's not a fluke either. They have two shutouts on the season. They have held five teams to 17 points or less, which is in the NFL. That's really doing something. The Bills are also number one in completion percentage allowed, yards per attempt, passing touchdowns allowed, yards per play, first downs per game, third down defense, takeaways with 24, including a league-high 15 picks. And I didn't mention all the other categories where they rank either number two or three. That's a boatload more. That unit is guided by Leslie Frazier, who's a very good defensive coordinator. They've got a lot of great players on that defense, including Jerry Hughes, Tremaine Edmonds at linebacker, Tredavious White at corner, Micah Hyde in the secondary at safety. So a detailed blueprint, Rick, on the Bills on defense. Yeah, you're exactly right. I I think number one is that they're really – You know, I think they really show the effect of, you know, McDermott was a terrific defensive coordinator Mm -hmm. for years and years and years, terrific defensive coordinator. And he and Leslie compliment, Leslie Frazier, compliment themselves so well. You know, you mentioned all the numbers, so I'm not going to get into the numbers game, but what I see is that they have come up with a scheme. It's very practical. It's not super, I mean, it's not tremendous volume, but there's a lot of nuance with every defense, and their defense, Matt, is very sticky, and they contest every play. There's almost no time where there's a no-cover zone. You know, if you look at them individually, uh, you, know, with the, you know, with the exception of Tredavious White, the corner, who I consider Ambien, I don't know that I see everybody as an Ambien, but the rest of them, with one exception, are all two Tylenol guys. They're, I mean, they're all really close. I mean, they've got a boatload of really good football players. They play exceptionally well together. I think in the sense, and, in, in, you know, I like this as a coach, I think that their whole, when the way they play together, the way everybody meshes, 
and the fact that they have no, almost no liabilities, I would say with the exception of Wallace, their two-corner, I, I, honestly, the way they play as a unit and the scheme, when you put it all together, the whole is much greater than the parts. Now, that's a good news, but it also means that they're not necessarily better than we are talent-wise, if you follow what I'm saying. I mean, it's good news, bad news. Again, they're strong on the edge. Uh, you know, you know. basically, we know Jerry. Jerry has never had good games against us, but we can't take that for granted. Rousseau, who's the rookie, who's playing better than people thought. Uh, you know, and then Addison, they have good edge guys. Uh, Latulale, if he's back, I think he will be. He had a COVID issue mm-hmm. last week. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, Oliver is just really, really active. He's not knocked out the numbers. If you look at, you know, the one thing that they really are like 19th on is they're not a great sack team either, really. They're really not. They kind of get them collectively. There's nobody that just stands out that's like the number one sack guy. But Oliver is really, really active. He's a little bit – he's the kid out of Houston, a little bit undersized. They can really go – you know, Edmonds um, and Milano are really active linebackers. Now, Edmonds was out with that hamstring, but Klein came in there and really did a great job. Secondary, you're exactly White. White is just outstanding. He, he's a he's a legitimate uh, elite corner, and he's going to match it. He he is going to go to Pitt, and you, I can guarantee you that coming in. Uh, I think the one live and well, let me let me stay with strengths. I think Johnson is a very very good nickel number twenty four. He plays in the box and Matt. They almost play nickel the whole game. They never. I I've, I've looked at two games. I don't think I've seen a base defense. Tell you the truth, it's nickel and they and they can do that because Johnson is a lot like Kenny, really tough, but he's also a good cover guy. Safety's outstanding. I'm not sure there's a better twosome. Uh, with Poyer and Hyde, Poyer has four picks, Hyde has three. You know, they're good run players, good tacklers. Like I said, I, that's probably the premier tandem in the league. If they have one liability, and it, it's not a severe liability, but if you're going to, if you get in a critical situation and you have to go after somebody, you want to go after Wallace, number 39, who will be, he'll be opposite of White in that regard. Now, in terms of, in terms of the must, you've got to continue to beat them on first down. You you, you got to express you got to expect pressure. They like to bring one safety or one nickel on first down. You want to get after them quick. They're very athletic. When you look at their team, when maybe the exception of Latulale, they can fly. So you know the more lateral stuff you run, Matt, they're going to go get you. So you want to take it directly at them and be ready to rip the cutback, what Jonathan's really good at. I would run at two guys. When I run inside, I'm actually going to run at Oliver because Oliver is a very good loose play guy, but he's not hes not big. He doesn't have great stature. I want to pound right at him when I'm running inside on a check-with-me type of deal, and when I'm running on the outside, I'm going to take it right at Jerry. Uh, Jerry's a rusher but I want to take it right at Hughes when I'm going to run off tackle to outside. And what we got to be alert for, they will play some double sinking. And again, and I only say this to help here, is that when you've given up vulnerabilities, and our vulnerabilities last week were nickel blitzes, cross blitzes in Delta, 
and double sinks. So we can expect that. And I thought a mistake we made last week because we had so much success early, we just kept trying to run Jonathan inside on those zones. Well, double sinks hard to do that. When the team gets in double sink, it's you almost have to go off tackle to outside. So I think we got to be prepared mentally to kick that in right away and 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 go and go from that standpoint. One thing you got to be able to do, you got to be able to get up on those backers and those safeties because those guys are good players. Number two, they play a lot of cover four, different variations on cover four on first down and particularly on second down. Now, I think you can get deep on them with certain kinds of patterns. Four is quarters across the board. I think if you close your splits and run crossing deep patterns, a post with a corner, uh, a go and a corner and a flat, you know, and then a double post from tight. I think you got a chance in there. I call those four beaters deep. I think you got a chance for big plays. I think you can cause confusion. We do a good job with that. Now, underneath, you want to work on that middle linebacker because they're going to play a lot of that four, and that middle linebacker has a lot of one-on-one, whoever comes in that middle zone, that number three receiver. So, you know, whoever we want to put in there, whether it's Pasco or someone has to be able to get in there and beat them. There's some things I think you should think about, must number three, but I kind of lump these because I think they're important. Okay, play pass and screen early downs because, again, they're going to fly. Uh, again, those that middle linebacker is going to come. He's going to open a void behind him. That's almost there every week if you're willing to do it. Okay, protect the edges. I mean, Hughes, Addison, and even Hyde on those nickel fires very much like we got last week. Now, two things formationally will help the quarterback know what they're in. When we're in our three receiver sets, if we get in two by two and we motion the slot across, whoever that is, whether it's whoever it is, if that nickel runs, he's telling you they're either in cover four or cover one. If he stays home, cover three. And that's really important. Then the second thing, when we do get in a spread, make sure that Hines is on the outside of the spread because if they walk a linebacker out there, you're telling you man-to-man. If not, you know you got zone. And, and they're very predictable on what they do there, so take advantage on the pre-snap there. Okay, be ready. If they would go to a man-to-man press game, which they're capable of, and really try to get up in our grill, you know, try to blitz like they did last week and play a lot of man, then be ready with our rubs, with our picks, you know, let's see if we can get White picked and get get Pittman free from that standpoint. And then I would just say the last must, <clears throat> if it's on the line and you got to get the downfield ball, go after Wallace number 39. And not that he's a bad player, but, you know, we're going to be much better off uh, getting after him. And, you know, we kind of talked about it in Monday's show, and I think this is really important. And I, and I said this, the better the defensive team's and the defensive coaches that we're going to see now is that they're going to have a plan for Pittman and they're going to have a plan for the running game. But so somewhere along the line, that next guy up, whether it's a tight end, whether it's a wide receiver, it's going to be very important for him to be able to win Mm one-on-ones and really be a big factor in the game. All right, closing out here, Rick, like we've talked about, the Colts, they've clawed their way back to five and five. Frank Reich said this week, hey, he feels like a weight's been lifted off his shoulders now that they don't have a losing record any longer. 
but now you've got to beat this perception. And I think we yep. would both agree yep. the Colts are good enough to beat playoff teams. They've had teams down, but just haven't been able to close games out. But the perception is they can't because they're 0 for their last eight, including 0 and 5 this season against teams that made the playoffs last year. You can really make a statement with a win this weekend. You can gain some respect around the league with a win, atone for that playoff loss last year at the same time. This would be really big psychologically to get a victory if the Colts can grab it on Sunday. Oh, it would be like getting the gorilla off your back. There's no question about it. I mean, we've all heard about the 0-8. It's there. We can't erase it. You know, that's a reality. You know, I don't believe it for a minute that we're not good enough. I just think that you know, mentally, as you said, psychologically, whatever it is, we've got to get over it. Like, you know, I think that was a psychological failure Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, we were we were walking away with the game, then all of a sudden they make a play and they're back in it, and it's like, oh, no, oh, no. You know what I mean? It's, and I think we're suffering from that in the fourth quarter right now, Matt. And I think it really is psychological. I mean, you know, we blew, we've blown, what, two double-digit leads against those kinds of teams it didn't mean that those teams ran us off the off the field or you know or that we weren't good enough i i honest to god do not believe that for a minute and we got it all ahead of us i mean we got the wild card we we have it in our pocket if we play well uh you know we got two perceived really good teams although tampa's playing like dogs the last two weeks i just took a look at their film so but Buffalo is critical. It's the AFC game. It's the AFC power. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, but I honestly believe this, and I thought I saw it in them when we played them in the playoffs. You know, when you look at their stats, it's 45 against the Jets, but the week before it's six against Jacksonville. You know, it's, it's an uneven team, and I think that there's a front-running quality to them. I think their quarterback, when, he, when he's on, and he gets rolling. If you let him get rolling early, it's it's devastating, like Sunday. I mean, it's just devastating. But I've seen him get that deer-in-the-headlight look, like two weeks ago, like he had most of the first half against us in the playoffs. I think there's a front-running element to this team that, that, that I think that you can beat them from that standpoint. I really believe you can beat them. I think they're beatable. And, and as I said, until that two-minute fiasco, they were beat mentally by the Colts. Now – What's important is to understand that and believe that and go up there and know you can and you must get on top of them just like we did before, beat them mentally, but slash for 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. And once we get that one gorilla, that one tickle out of the jar, <laughs> you're going to see a different team here because this is, a, yeah. this is a, a better team, honestly, than the 5-5 five and five record in my book. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think there's any question about that. You let those two games slip away, and all of a sudden, hey, you're, you know, you're you're six and four, seven and three through ten games instead of five and five. All right, Rick Venturi, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. Obviously, it's a big game. That's Rick on Inside Football, magical as always. We thank you very much for the time. We know how much time you spend breaking down the tape and giving us the must. We love it every single week. Have a great rest of the week, Rick, and. We'll talk to you on Sunday for a big-time Week 11 game in mid-November. Oh, I can't wait till Sunday, and you know I won't have much to say before that game. I'll be like a drum. I'll be like tight as a drum. So. <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to it. You got it, my friend. Rick Venturi right there. I'm Matt Taylor. Rick's going to go calm his nerves. He's going to go out in the Harley. He's going he's gonna to hit the cycle the rest of the week and kind of calm himself down. 
and we're looking forward to it. It's the Colts and Buccaneers next week, but it's the Colts and Bills this Sunday, and it's a big one. Thanks for listening here on Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and the Colts audio network. So long, everybody. We'll be right back.